Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Top U.S. officials visit Ukraine for the first time since Russia invaded. Ukraine's president thanks the United States and the American people for their support. Wikipedia is back in the spotlight. Editors deleted an entry for Hunter Biden's investment firm. They justified the move, saying the page was thin on details, but is there a double standard over what information the website allows? Parades, a candlelight vigil, and more. Supporters of the spiritual practice Falun Gong in New York City commemorated a peaceful appeal against the Chinese Communist Party's crackdown on the practice in China 23 years ago. Meeting with officials in Europe today, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said the U.S. wants to see Russia weakened to the degree that it can't do the kinds of things that it has done in invading Ukraine. That's after he and Washington's top diplomat visited Ukraine over the weekend, the first official U.S. visit since Russia invaded. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin met Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Kyiv late on Sunday. The U.S. pledged more military aid and a return of U.S. envoys to Kyiv. Zelensky expressed his gratitude, saying, quote, I would like to thank President Biden personally and on behalf of the entire Ukrainian people for his leadership in supporting Ukraine for his personal clear position. To thank all the American people, as well as the Congress, for their bicameral and bipartisan support. We see it, we feel it. Austin and Blinken announced a total of $713 million in foreign military aid. It's for Ukraine and 15 allied and partner countries. Some $322 million is earmarked for Kyiv. Austin said Monday, the U.S. believes Ukraine can win. They can win if they have the right uh, equipment, the right support. And we're going to do everything we can, continue to do everything we can, to ensure that that gets there. Austin also commented on the U.S. goals in the war. We want to see uh, Ukraine uh, remain a sovereign uh, country, a democratic country, able to protect its, uh, uh, its sovereign territory. A reporter asked Blinken about an article in the Boston Globe. It reported that aid for Ukraine was not being delivered. Blinken disputed the account. Hundreds of billions of dollars of assistance has already gotten in, not only to Ukraine, but to surrounding countries that are caring for Ukrainians who've been displaced, who are refugees. Uh, literally every day as we speak, aid is going in. Blinken also said Biden would announce his pick for a U.S. ambassador to Ukraine and that American diplomats would start returning to Ukraine this coming week. Meanwhile, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres will visit Moscow Tuesday. He'll meet with Russian leader Vladimir Putin and Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov to see what can be done to bring peace to Ukraine. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. Wikipedia has deleted the page on Hunter Biden's investment firm. The firm has come under congressional scrutiny. The wiki editors said the page was not notable and was thin on details. That firm is Rosemont Seneca Partners and has faced questions about the younger Biden's business dealings. The comments on the talk page of the entry show that it was deleted. The Wikipedia editors removed it on April 20th. A Wikipedia editor named Alex said, this organization is only mentioned in connection with its famous founders, Hunter Biden and Christopher Hines, and keeping the page around could turn it into a magnet for conspiracy theories about Hunter Biden. The president's son co-founded the firm in 2009. 
Other co-founders include former Secretary of State John Kerry and Devin Archer. Archer was one of Biden's business partners. The firm became a shareholder in a Chinese investment fund. That fund was incorporated in Shanghai in 2013. Biden resigned from its board in 2019. Now, there is concern that the decision to pull the page reflects a double standard. For example, Curtis Houck, the managing editor of Newsbusters, told the New York Post, quote, if a Trump-linked company had its Wikipedia page wiped or one from the Russia probe, it's more than a safe bet to say that CNN would be dedicating multiple reporters to following the Internet trail. And Wikipedia has drawn criticism for bias in the past, like how one of its co-founders, Larry Sanger, suggested there may be outside influence determining what goes into the articles, and he accused the site of spreading propaganda. Even still, wiki editors defended the move. One said there were no in-depth references that discussed the company, only passing references with a few mentions of a transaction. They said that doesn't pass their criteria. And they said the wiki page for Hunter Biden himself already mentions his firm, so there was no need to merge or redirect the pages. The Alameda County Sheriff's Office in California seized more than 92 pounds of illegal fentanyl over the weekend. The office says the amount is enough to kill about 20 million people. At a street value of $100 per gram, the total value of the seized fentanyl exceeds $4 million. Authorities say they recovered the drugs from a number of locations in Oakland and Hayward. Earlier this month, the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration warned of a spike in mass overdose incidents involving fentanyl. A mass incident is defined as three or more such cases in a short period of time in the same location. DEA Administrator Ann Milgram said that there have been seven such mass overdose incidents in the U.S. since January. Over the weekend, people in New York City commemorated the anniversary of a peaceful appeal against the crackdown of Falun Gong in China. The events include parades, marching bands, and a candlelight vigil. Entity's Arian Pastar was at the scene. Exactly 23 years ago, thousands of Falun Gong practitioners in China spoke up about the beginning stages of the crackdown on Falun Gong. Later, the Chinese Communist Party started the full-on persecution. And ever since then, practitioners around the world gather annually to raise awareness about the ongoing persecution of Falun Gong. A marching band, banners with slogans, and even dragons. Saturday's parade in New York's Chinatown in Queens had all of those things. People were commemorating the 23rd anniversary of April 25, 1999. That's when thousands of people in China appealed against the incarceration of Falun Gong practitioners. The organizer of Saturday's parade explained why the Chinese Communist Party persecutes Falun Gong practitioners. In China, you have to, you know, believe so-called communism, and no other, you know, religion is allowed. She added that she sees a change in the community after organizing these kind of events for a long period of time. One example for such change is one of the speakers who doesn't practice Falun Gong himself. I was a huge advocate of the CCP in the past, and because partly because of what the Falun Gong community did here in the U.S., I was able to see the truth, and that's why I'm here. Before the persecution, Falun Gong was taught for almost a decade in China, and approximately 100 million people enjoyed the benefits of it. It's really given me a lot of harmony, because as a Falun Gong practitioner, you're always focusing on, on the principles of the practice, which are truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. And so always treating others that way, 
which means always sort of striving to having good thoughts, the right thoughts, and caring for others. After the events in Queens, supporters had a candlelight vigil in Manhattan, holding up bright lotus flowers in front of the Chinese embassy. Ariane Pastar, NTD News, New York. Coming up, France's incumbent president, Emmanuel Macron, won a second term. He admits that some voters only chose him to block his opponent. And EU countries reached an agreement on a set of new online rules for tech giants. That's to monitor illegal content on their platforms. We'll have more for you in just a moment here on NTD News. French President Emmanuel Macron won re-election on Sunday, defeating his opponent Marine Le Pen by a comfortable margin. In a speech below the Eiffel Tower, Macron acknowledged those who voted for him only to prevent Le Pen from winning. Here are the details. Many of our compatriots voted for me not out of support for my ideas, but to block those of the extreme right. I want to thank them, and I know that I have a duty towards them in the years to come. Macron supporters cheered and waved French and EU flags as the results rolled in. On the outskirts of Paris, dejected Le Pen supporters booed the election outcome. Farther north, Le Pen fans expressed unbridled anger as they view Macron as an elitist with contempt for ordinary people. Le Pen conceded the race not long after the polls closed, but vowed to keep up the fight with the June parliamentary elections in mind. The French are showing tonight a wish for a strong counterpower against Emmanuel Macron. The match is not completely over, since in a few weeks the legislative elections will take place. Opposition parties on the right and left will immediately start a major push to try to vote in a parliament and government opposed to Macron, whose margin of victory looked to be tighter than when he first beat Le Pen five years ago, underlining how many French remain unimpressed with him and his domestic record. In what may be a sign of things to come, police fired tear gas at demonstrators Sunday night. Protests over Macron's pro-business reforms plagued his first five years in office. Despite the social discontent, though, the 44-year-old became the first French president in 20 years to win a second term. For some French voters, the re-election of incumbent President Emmanuel Macron was a relief, while others expressed frustration. Here's more. As French President Emmanuel Macron's victory swept the headlines of major newspapers, the French public had mixed reactions. I'm very happy about the result because Macron has already steered us through several challenges. He started his job and I like him to have it until the end. I voted for Marine Le Pen and I'm obviously a bit disappointed with the result, even though I expected it. During the election, over a quarter of voters abstained, being fans of neither candidate. Abstainers like me don't vote because they don't find their niche among the current political propositions. On its front cover, French newspaper Liberation ran the headline, Macron re-elected thanks to whom? It pointed to those who voted for Macron only to keep out his nationalist rival Marine Le Pen. Even Macron himself admitted as much in his victory speech. Despite frustration, many hope the president's second term comes with less poverty and better wages. 
The French are worried about their life, their purchasing power, their security, and it's totally normal and legitimate. But I think Mrs. Le Pen's platform is too extreme. She pushes people apart. It's true that Macron doesn't talk about students and what he plans to do for them, and that's a shame. I'm waiting to see what he intends to do to make our everyday life easier, because it's true that financially it's quite difficult for us. It won't be just the voice of Macron. He is not going to do another five years of the same mandate. That's clear. We won't let him do it. If he does, I think people are ready to take to the streets if there isn't the right kind of coalition government. Le Pen's National Rally Party says it will remain as Macron's opposition. Its acting president, Jordan Bardella, dismissed Jean-Luc Mélenchon as the leader of the opposition. In reality, the French made the National Rally Party the true opposition. Jean-Luc Mélenchon decredited himself because he elected Macron by giving him his votes for the second round. I believe he lost his credibility to represent the opposition. What faces Macron is yet another challenge, to keep his majority in the upcoming parliamentary elections. Tech giants such as Google, Amazon, Apple, Meta, and Microsoft could soon be forced to change their core business practices in Europe. This as European Union countries and EU lawmakers on Saturday clinched a deal on new rules to police illegal content on the tech companies' platforms. They will also need to pay a fee to regulators monitoring their compliance. Under the Digital Services Act, the companies face fines up to 6% of their revenue for violating the rules, while repeated breaches could see them banned from doing business in the EU. The new rules ban targeted advertising aimed at children or based on sensitive data such as religion, gender, race, and political opinions. Dark patterns, which are tactics that mislead people into giving personal data to companies online, will also be prohibited. Sri Lanka was barely getting its tourism industry back on track after the pandemic when the economic crisis hit. The downturn has triggered an unprecedented wave of spontaneous protests as the island nation of 22 million people struggles with prolonged power cuts and a shortage of essentials, including fuel and medicine. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details. On the banks of the river Madhu Ganja and Balapatiya, deserted restaurants and lines of empty boats are a sign of the tough times. We have boards. It's uh, running by the fuel. Fuel cost is going up. We have a restaurant. Restaurant is uh, uh, doing the uh, purchasing everything, foods, uh, cheese, butter, margarine, oil. And that price also going up. Last month, Sri Lanka's monthly tourist arrivals crossed the 100,000 mark for the first time in two years marking what many thought would be a revival after a tough two years during the pandemic. But daily average tourist arrivals fell from 3,600 per day in early April to 2,500 in the second half of the month. Now, angry protesters are out in the streets, calling for the resignation of President Gadabaya Rajapaksha. On Tuesday, one person died at a protest, the first fatality since the demonstrations began last month. Political crisis is there, people are protesting, roads are blocked. And for the tourists, you need, they need to travel and they need fuel for that. They can't wait on the queues, you know. So they, they, are, they are seeing on that kind of things on the news. So, uh, yeah, that kind of thing's affecting, really affecting. But some foreign tourists have been unfazed by the problems. 
So this is a beautiful country and it really worth a visit here. But you should be prepared, like having your own power bank, have your electricity in your pocket. You should be a bit flexible. An economic recovery is expected to take months, if not years. Even as the country seeks more than $3 billion from multiple sources, including the International Monetary Fund, India, and the World Bank. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Still to come, a Baseball Hall of Fame broadcaster is retiring soon. Learn what kept him in a career that spans six decades. And an exhibition is underway celebrating the 550th anniversary of the printing press at the National Library of Spain. All that and more here on NTD News. The Spanish National Library is commemorating 550 years since the arrival of the printing press. Among the exhibits are the first books ever printed in Spain. Here's more on that story. An exhibition at the National Library of Spain is celebrating the 550th anniversary of the arrival of the printing press. The exhibition is named Incu Nabula, which is Latin for in the cradle, and refers to early printed books. Visitors will have the opportunity to see this unique work in the world, surrounded by other bibliographic jewels that are not usually seen in other exhibitions, because we're talking about the first testimonies coming out of Spanish printing presses. In Cunabula normally range from the middle of the 15th century until 1500. The first printed book in Spain and in the Spanish language was El Sinodal, of Aguila Fente in 1472. It's being exhibited at the show along with 20 other works. Also at the exhibit is a selection of typographical tools and materials and a replica of a 17th century printing press. The first printed books emulated handwritten books and the advent of the printing technique enabled multiple copies of a text to be made, helping achieve a massive dissemination of knowledge. The church was the great promoter of typographic art, but the exhibition shows more than just religious books. We also have a treatise on chess, a treatise on literature, and the first Spanish grammar by Nebrija. Also the first biography of women, published in Spain by Boccaccio. The first print shop was installed in the town of Segovia, north of Madrid, at the end of 1471. Some months later, the printing press spread to other Spanish cities like Barcelona, Valencia, and Seville. The Incu Nabula exhibit runs through July 23rd. One of baseball's longtime broadcasters is set to retire at the end of this season after 64 years. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg brings us the details. Jaime Harin, Spanish voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers, is retiring after this season. I have enjoyed so much what I'm doing that really the time flies. When Harin came to the U.S. from Ecuador in 1955, he knew very little about the game. He says he was fortunate to arrive at the right time when the Dodgers moved from Brooklyn to Los Angeles. He says he wasn't looking, but the Dodgers found him and gave him the job. They wanted to cover the games bilingual, English and Spanish. And we have been very successful in that because I have seen the number of, of Latinos coming to the, to the ballpark. Oh. 
Reyn says he is grateful to the Dodgers for the opportunity to broadcast the games in Spanish over the last 64 years and to the fans that kept him going over his lifetime career. And I think also a lot of people in the Latino world and baseball and sports feel like he's that uncle that they know because of his voice and his presence and his demeanor. Harin is one of the longest-running announcers in Major League Baseball history. He was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 1998. While being in the Hall of Fame is something Harin cherishes, he says his biggest award comes from the fans. What opportunity for me to give them something to enjoy after a hard, hard working day. So I think I am doing a public service uh, besides describing what's going on on the field. He says when out in public, people will stop and thank him for providing them a way to spend more time with Spanish-speaking loved ones, thanks to his voice. That really touches my heart, and that's the best compliment that I can get more than any other accolade that I get. Harin will stay with the club as an ambassador for two years to attend special events, but plans to enjoy his retirement traveling and raising money for his project, the Jaime and Blanca Harin Foundation. The organization provides educational and athletic programs to those in need. Jeremy Sandberg, MTD News. The healing properties of papaya are an expression of nature's wisdom. Let's find out how they're used in Chinese medicine and how South Americans utilize this delicate tropical fruit. Here's Gina Marie who brings us Strong Mind and Body. Papaya is famous for its wound healing capabilities. The skin of the fruit can be applied directly to wounds to help them heal more quickly. Papayas are also rich in vitamin A. This is a fat soluble vitamin that's essential for healthy skin mucous membranes and vision. They're also abundant in vitamin C. They contain one and a half times the recommended daily amount per serving. In Chinese medicine, these powerful healing fruits benefit the lungs, spleen and stomach. Papaya is used as a general tonic to improve digestion and stimulate the appetite. From a Chinese medicine perspective, papaya heals skin lesions, lubricates the lungs, cleans the intestines, supports the eyes, benefits the skin, treats cough, kills intestinal worms, strengthens the bones, boosts the immune system and increases milk production in lactating women. Papayas are famous for the digestive enzyme papain. Papain breaks down proteins and helps promote a robust digestive system. This digestive enzyme also calms inflammatory conditions. A few examples include asthma and arthritis. It also cleans the intestines. Papain breaks down deposits on the teeth, clears mucus from the body and is a potent antiparasitic. Papaya is beneficial for many skin conditions and moisturizes and beautifies the entire body's skin. Papaya also contains carpain, a compound known for its anti-tumor properties. Tumors in Chinese medicine are considered abnormal accumulations caused by an excess of dampness in the body. Papaya is known for draining damp and treats many diseases resulting from excess internal moisture. Examples include candida growth, parasites, growths, tumors, cysts, and obesity. Doing regular cleanses keeps your immune system strong and fends off foreign invaders. 
the digestive enzyme papain found in papayas is a powerful vermicide capable of killing most intestinal worms, including tapeworms. Papaya seeds are also an extremely effective treatment for cleansing the body of parasites. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email on screen. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City. Thank you.